tabletop role-playing system. It's represented by two people, the players who make characters and roll the dice, and the DMs who facilitate their games. These are their stories. William Scott, I work for uh, Tier Zero Gaming here in Goldsboro. Awesome, We're awesome. the local card shop here in town. Mm-hmm. Um, and Yeah, so tell me your D&D story. So this was my second time playing D&D, and if I'm not mistaken, we were playing... Can't remember the campaign we we're playing, but it was a pre-written one. Um, but my character was the bastard son of the worst criminal in the city, and he his whole thing was like I'd been treated so bad and so poorly, and just beat down and then just left on the side of a street to die. That sounds I rough. I pulled myself out. Like the backstory was, I pulled myself out of uh, poverty and got better and got training to be a, a full-fledged rogue, or yeah, a rogue. And um. We, we finally find out where my father is holed up at, mm-hmm. and we go in there, and there's a bunch of kids that have been gone through the same torture that I went through, that were being trained to be pickpockets and stuff like that, and they'd been malnourished and all kinds of stuff, and I'm getting madder and madder the farther I'm going in. The moment we walk down the stairs in this old dilapidated fish hut, um, I see my hellion of a father across the way, and I'm just like, Nope, can't stop. Run full force, and the and like I've taken damage the whole fight, and I've just been like in there, just stabbing as many people as I can. Mm-hmm. The moment I cross by this pit, this crocodile just comes up, grabs my character, pulls me into the water, and then death rolls me, and unconscious I go. I wake up at the end of the fight when the uh, the Shawanti barba- uh, elemental barbarian just nukes my dad's head with a hammer, and I'm just sitting there like. But I wanted to kill this man. Like, oh man! And it, and it was like one of the best. It was one of the best and one of the worst scenes. And it also taught me to not run into a room just randomly because you'll probably end up dead. Oh man! <laughs> like, geez, what level were you? Uh, I want to say we were around level four. But okay, I had taken okay. I had taken like constant like random ping damage from the two uh, minions that my dad had had up in the room above him, and then we got down there, and I'm just like... Okay, so nope. they were like uh, Overwatch. So it was yeah, like some there, Overwatch... There was, uh-huh. there was a, a lower floor mm-hmm. that had the alligator living in it, and then there was an upper floor. And I ran across the upper floor, and the alligator just readied in action, just waited, and as I passed by, because he got used to having food, just moved past the gate right there where I uh, ran past. Right, 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 so right. when I ran past, them, I, there was movement, and he went, food, yump, and just pulled me down, and I'm down on the ground, just, I'm kind of dead... So was that like that was the end of just that particular arc? Did you keep on playing? Oh no, my character uh, he I did my death saves and I was able to stabilize and not die. Okay. I got very close. Uh-huh. Um, but when I when they got me out of the pit and like force fed me a healing potion, uh, I woke up to them like coup de growing my dad in the face with a big ass war mace, and <laughs> the rest of the uh, me and the Shawanti uh, guy at that point were not the best of friends. But after he killed my father, I kind of told him like I'd come clean about who my dad was and that I kind of had a hand in what happened to his family because apparently the the DM had written it so that after I was basically cast out mm-hmm. from that guy's family the Shawanti's mom got kidnapped and then murdered and only her fingers sent back and in Shawanti culture uh, not having the full body of a loved one that can be buried is one of the most detrimental things you can do to any Shawanti. Oh, wow. And it sent that man into the world's 
biggest rage possible, and he traveled to this city that doesn't like Shawanti and just basically wanted to go in there and find this man and kill him in the most brutal way possible, and he did it. Okay, so you both had a vendetta. We both had a vendetta, and then the Shawanti guy got his son back. <laughs> and then the day after, um, I was talking to his, uh, the Shawanti and his son, and I'm like, hey, does me and your son want to have a little sparring session? And everyone at the table just eyes all at me, and I'm just like, did I just say something wrong? Like, the kid's not much younger than me, because at the time I think I was a, a half-elf. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do the fighting session, and I'm sitting there, and we're doing pretty good, and I slip up, and I, like one of my blades gets knocked into my hand, so I go to grab for it, and the kid's like two seconds from stabbing me in the throat with a war pike, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I lost. <laughs> oh, so man. two times in a week, my character just about died. But you got some really good story out of it, though. Really good story, really good experience, and it's probably my second favorite campaign that I've ever played a part of. Awesome, awesome. Dude, thank you for sharing your story with not us. Not a problem, not a problem at all. And so where's your story, say where your store located is again? Uh, here, uh, it is on South Berkeley Boulevard in Goldsboro. Alright, so for anyone who listens, if you're trying to get a game going in Goldsboro, this is the place to go. Thanks, bro. Not a problem. So I was playing a swash. And it was great. It was great. Um, after each game, we would do little one-shots, um, little um, character versus character between all our different characters to see who could win the fight. Last man standing. He had a swash, a rogue, a monk, a shapeshifter, or sorry, a wild shape druid, and uh, what were you? And another swash. And you see, what happened was, <laughs> the swash and the the monk always ended up being the last two there. And then once the wild shaped druid was in the game, it was always the swash, the monk, and the druid. And uh, it was one of the last times we did this um, PvP kind of style playing. And I was in the middle of a fight with the monk, but the wild shape druid turned into a tornado, which sucked us up and separated us. I went to try to attack him, to which I promptly learned, regardless of magic, you can't stab wind. To which he turned into an air elemental, went into my lungs, and transformed into a whale. Which was not fair at all, but it happened, and I took the loss. Not so graciously, mind you. Oh, uh, so that's a little fun tidbit, after, can- after session fun. Uh, there's a different story. Uh, I accidentally derailed a small encounter. Didn't mean to, but what had happened was uh, we came upon a siren, and, well, we were supposed, it was supposed to be a fighting encounter. That's how the GM planned it. And we started talking. Things started getting a little wild. The uh, we, we couldn't talk to her, so we thought, till someone's like, anyone, does that, can anyone talk to her? And when I said, I can, I speak Aquin, the GM proceeded to lose his mind. Because no one was supposed to speak anything aquatic. He didn't know anyone took that. And then I did, and derailed the entire encounter. 
it, just a few sentences and we were just able to walk through this guardian of the lake. Nothing happened. At all. Which was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Best moment of my life. Completely unsuspecting. Entirely useless language up to that point. But I took it. Was told there was going to be a lot of sailing, a lot of ocean. To which there was then none. And then finally, finally, three quarters of the way through, it was useful. Which leads me to another story about the other character in this campaign who took speaking with sharks. It was underwater, the oil on the surface of the water was on fire, he couldn't get out, and everyone was about to die. But then suddenly, he speaks shark, says some shit underwater. So sorry. Wait, says wait, 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 speak shark. Yes, who can speak with animals underwater. Okay. And he, um, All right. and he's proceeded to speak shark. The sharks helped him out, scared away the mermaids that were trying to kill him underwater, brought him out from underneath the fire that was above the water, and then he proceeded to save everyone else who was dying above water. So that happened as well. Uh, there was also another time <laughs> that uh, we spoke draconic, but what we didn't know at the time was... Uh, the, again, the, the DM designed an encounter that was supposed to be fighting. And uh, it was a giant uh, Japanese kind of dragon, but it was more of a snake. But because it was a close relative, it spoke draconic. So once again, derailed an entire encounter, and instead of fighting a not dragon, we just spoke to it. And basically... I call those wins. <laughs> oh, those I loved wins. it. Like... And, um... <laughs> Talking your way out of a out of a fight is a win. I appreciate that. Oh yeah, and um, it was beautiful. But you see, you see. Then there was this one guy. He he abandoned the ship. He was one of the player characters. He abandoned the ship, um, disguised as someone else, tricked uh, the captain of the ship, who was also the player character me at the time. And once we got back and found out he was the one who danced a particular kind of way with this character, when she found out he had abandoned the ship, since this character was very, very honors and loyalty and all this stuff, she made him walk the plank. Except it was an airship. <clears throat> so I made him walk the plank from hundreds of feet in the air. Now, he, as he walked off, I said, you can walk the plank or you're fired. And instead of that, he chose to walk the plank. So I feel like it's kind of not my fault. But he walked the plank. Mm. And, um, well, I do have, uh, I did record that part while you guys were ranting about it. So uh -huh. I'll edit that part in so it'll be nice uh -huh. and fun. And, um, to which he said, I trust you more than you trust me, and dropped. I unfortunately saved him. For which he later caused a mutiny against me. So this was some crap. Let me tell you. Oh man. So betrayal, cool. love, all that jazz, all pirates on a ship. It was great. Nice. Thank you for sharing your <laughs> D and D stories with us. Of course. Oh, oh wait, and uh, all that, all those lovely, crazy stories. My very first campaign ever. Nice. Okay, so just start. Tell okay. me, you can say your name. And so, I'm Chris, and this is uh, 
a rebuttal, a clarification to, to what Mary gave you was like the Reader's Digest version of the story. Um, I played uh, Greg Griswold, who was a goblin swashbuckler in that campaign, um, who, for whatever reason that I can't discern, was totally stupid fallen for his captain. Okay, Captain Scarlet, Mary's character. Um, and so the, uh, the characters had been invited to a, uh, a fancy ball at a noble's house. And uh, so they left. Grizz, because he was a goblin, he was not as welcome in, the, in, you know, in that part of town. So they went uh, to this party without him and left him in charge of you know, staying with the ship. A duty he immediately delegated to one of the crew, responsibly, and um, found a way to shapeshift, um, I believe it was a potion, to shapeshift into a human for the evening. And he attended the ball in the guise of a foreign dignitary, and then proceeded to, to try to dance and romance his captain. Um, and there's actually, I sent you a link to a particular song um, that relates to that, that you may or may not want to use. Um, so he did that, and they both had a wonderful time. And he had to, you know, he left to go back to the ship. Kind of a Cinderella-type thing before his potion wore off. He gets back to the ship, and he's, he's over the moon. He's ecstatic. So the rest of the party gets back to the ship, and they find him just floating on air, just all around the ship, and he, what clicks for them is that he's humming the same song that they had danced to. And that's when they caught him out at it, and he was forced to, to um, confess that it was him. And that's when, for dereliction of duty, because he abandoned the ship, you know, because he had delegated that responsibility, um, the captain told him to walk the plank. Um, this was, in, in, in Grizz's eyes, this was because she didn't trust his judgment in uh, delegating that responsibility. So, he, knowing that she wouldn't let him die after the evening that they shared, he decided to completely trust in her and just did a backwards gainer off the the uh, the plank, knowing full well that she wouldn't let him die, and she didn't. And in the end of that campaign, uh, years later, they wound up married with several children and died happily together. So. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Did I say anything false? Yes. What? We Go ahead. Back in the First of all, thanks for always inviting us out here. You're awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you're my, you're my, you're, you're my special lady. Oh. Heart. You complete me. <laughs> I would do the sign language thing, but it's an audio, so no yeah. one can know that it's all right though. Taps, we know. Morse code, I don't know. We know. One one zero zero one. Can't see the heart motion my hand is making. But anyway, so just give your name and tell me your deal. Well, I'm Kalana Ann. Ask me, because you know that's who I am. 
Um, and my favorite D&D story would be... <sighs> so I was the druid in the party, so I'm super awesome, first of all. And we're fighting these bullets in this cavern that we, for whatever reason, decided to go into. And it's going really well. You know, we end up fighting our way through. Party's kind of hurt. And the... Um, monk in our party decides that after we kill this bullet and the hole is empty, he's going to jump down the down the hole. He casts Featherfall, so he doesn't obviously die, at least that's what we thought. He cuts Featherfall off early and falls to his death. And we were like, well, why? <laughs> why would you do that? So I turn into an animal, go down there and retrieve said dead body and take it up to... Uh, the bard who is slowly going insane because he's decided to become a cannibal and eat random dead things we kill on our journeys. And um, the bard takes his body, goes into this orc-type kitchen because the place is inhabited by orcs, and um, deep fries our dead monk and makes like little chicken nuggets out of the sky or whatever the D&D version of that would be. And he has a little pouch that he has them in and he just pops one every now and then and they give him like one HP. But he was slowly going insane from it. And it was just, it worked. And that's my favorite D&D story. We ate our, I tried one, my character tried one. Was it good? It was, it was delicious. It was great. You must have some good seasoning on that. I helped, I helped cook him. <laughs> Oh my God. You have some, some special sauce. Yeah. Okay. okay. Rolled real well on that nature check. Oh, that is insane. We called Thank them Flex Bites because our friend's name was Flex. That Flex Bites? Yeah. All right. So. Flex Bites coming to a store near you. Thank you. It was great. For telling me that one. Mm -hmm. And. Thank you for letting us come out again. Of course. Uh, so when is it? Was it same next year? We're going to be... First weekend in January. Or February, sorry. First weekend in February, 2021. All right. Maxwell Center. All right, then. Well, guess we'll see, we'll, we'll see you next year. Yeah, All right. of course. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, my name is Marshall Padrick. I am one of Aaron's really good friends. We've been playing for a really long time together. Um... I also like designed the logo and stuff for him. But um, let's see. I enjoy selfless plugs. <laughs> hey, why not? Um, I think I'm gonna go with the one time I just I was just blown by what you guys did. Like, okay, so we were playing uh, my campaign, which is based in the world of One Piece. Um, a lot of explanations for a lot of characters. I'm not gonna get into. But the gist of it is, in this certain story arc, the situation was the crew had been separated in different sections on an island by the villain. And they were stuck there for around two years, like a you know, time skip kind of thing, a training arc. And everybody had their own little side stories going on in the little sections. And a bunch of things happened. And uh, my DM character, my player character at the time, uh, she had this thing going on in like her brain that was controlling her or whatever <clears throat> and um, they were trying to figure out how to stop it or what was going on so when we all reunited after defeating the villain in each of the sections 
um, that thing activated and she started going berserk and started like destroying stuff and then like Tanner's character who is like the most unpredictable dude ever DM or player I just can't figure him out most of the time <laughs> but his character who is you know really friendly with her um, she started going berserk and he like kissed her to snap her out of it and so they're like all standing there and everybody just started going off on each other you know blaming this character for a bunch of other stuff and it, it, it was a rough situation and then Tanner's character who was a Thunderbird flew off after all of this argument and after everything just flew off leaving everyone else there on that island and I had no idea where, what to do or where to go next after he flew off because I was planning on everyone leaving together <laughs> I like I had to step away from the table for a good like 20 minutes just trying to think of something that was going to happen and I managed to pull it together with like the help of uh, Aaron and Josh because they had like a side story thing going on and they pulled Tanner's character back in with that and then we all reunited and everything was just kind of smooth from there but I mean that that I still think back like man that was I was so caught off guard <laughs> it was really fun though and it made for a better story I think but I just I was lost <laughs> I was so lost <laughs> yeah that was random yeah. I remember that I remember that a hundred percent because we ended up uh, I think we uh, we set it up where uh, my character was kidnapped yeah and uh, his character they were they were such good friends that he he came back to try it's like to, a rescue mission kind yeah of it was thing. like yeah we used like a rescue mission to kind of reel him back in yeah Oh man! It worked out for the better, I think. Yeah, he did. Uh, to be fair, though, Josh's character also like said like I forgot how it went down, but Josh's character said it was like, yeah, remember what I told you the next time you do something like this or something like that because they had he like threatened him with uh, mutiny like, or some bullcrap. Like, like uh, it if, was if, if, you, if you cross this line again, you're done. Yeah. And so he was like, well, I guess I'm done. And he yep. Flew off. And Josh was like, I didn't actually expect him to fly off. <laughs> no one did. He's like, you just what you said. And he just looked at us and just shrugged. Dang yep. on it, Marsh. Dang on it, Tanner. <laughs> Dang on it, Tanner. All Look right. at that smug face over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, Marshall. Yeah, no problem. For dude. your D&D story. Awesome. Well, hello. My name's Austin Alesso. Been a DM for going on five years now. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, got into it with a critical role. I watched like episode seven or eight uh, when they were in the temple of Yorgoril fighting Kavarn. I remember that one. I had literally joined. Like, it's funny because I've been trying to get into D&D. I've heard about it. I've watched it on Twitch a little bit. Could never get into it because you're going in to a session, a group of characters, there's no visuals. They're making jokes you don't understand. You don't understand the context. Uh, but, you know, with Critical Role and, you know, Mercer, I saw the battle. I was like, oh, my God, it's so many minis. And I showed up like a minute before Grog got his soul ripped out and died. And, yeah, I was like, ooh. The emotion started, you know, everybody started crying. You know, Mercer had his face like, I don't want to kill your character, but I have to. 
<laughs> uh, so that's kind of you know where I started. Like, oh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, so I've been you know watching Critical Role ever since. Going on like what five years now. Mm -hmm. Back when they had like 300 people watching and we're trying to get like 45 subs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but this story, uh, we'll start. I had a group uh, played with you know. Fifth edition. I started off with a red Pathfinder originally, and then I read fifth edition. And I was like, I'll start with fifth edition, get into that. But I'm in my own homebrew world. You know, we gained for about ten months, and this story took place about I think five, six months in. They ended up going to a port town. I believe it was Raven. It wasn't Ravenclaw. It was Raven something. It's been like three years now. It's all right. Um, it was a Raven involved. <laughs> it was Raven something. Uh, but they ended up going to this town and going to uh, more or less trying to see what adventures they could lie there. They've heard a bit of treasure and they were approached by a woman who basically was asking for their help in discovering one of her murdered friends. And that she was a lady of the night and one of her friends who also worked in the same establishment, knocking shop, ended up being murdered by the establishment owner. And he ended up paying off the local constabulary and the guard to cover up and hide her body. Okay. So it was a bit of a murder mystery set in kind of a brothel. An interesting one. Um, so the players, at six players at this point, they ended up kind of casing the joints a little bit, and they ended up going inside and talking to the owner who had you know a lot of furniture and had a lot of you know the women there kind of just lounging around it was like a lounge area uh, they end up getting to a heated discussion with him and he kicks them out after they kind of tried to cast friends on him he did not take it very well uh, and so kicked him out uh, one of my new players learned about <laughs> the use of that spell and not really uh, using it in a public setting. People don't like it too much. Uh, so they ended up casing the place, and one of my players, who was a warlock, ended up using his uh, closet, his familiar, and polymorphing it into like a spider, and using it to like crawl around and try to listen in off of it. Uh, needless to say, the spider was quite large. I think it was like 14 inches or just the... Uh, oh. Uh, yeah, it was a huge spider uh, because I was, you know, we ended up going through some of the biology of spiders. Like, could a spider really hear? Yeah. Uh, so I basically, like, if it was this big, it could probably pick up and, you know, transmit uh, through some of its actual uh, hairs uh, they have. Mm -hmm. And so it ends up being discovered by the two half-orc guards that were kind of the muscle of the place. <laughs> and it ended up, as he sneaked into the back room, running away, and the orcs basically did like a Benny Hill style trying to smash the spider, <laughs> right? And because he was like, get to that thing! And they're like, Ugh! do, 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 and they start running around, mm -hmm. and I had to make basically deck saves. Like, does he get smashed? Nope. All right, so he made like two, three saves. You know, he's jumping around all over the lounge. Uh, the women and some of the men there were freaking out, running around. Because a giant yeah, monster spider. Yeah, giant monster spider. Of course you would. You see that running around, jumping everywhere. And so he ends up going to some of the back rooms. And 
long story short, he ends up going in a lot of the rooms and ended up like a Scooby-Doo scene where they like go into the room, he bounces out, and now they gotta like turn around and get into some of the hallways. He ends up going into some of the you know the makeup and bath areas that the ladies would use. And at this point, he made seven deck saves with a DC 14 in a row. With oh, only, wow. With only plus two. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he was on fire. I was just like, okay. He made his deck save, and he keeps making them. I'm like, I guess we just keep going. Okay. See how far we can take this thing. <laughs> Pretty much. So he ends up going into like the bathhouse uh, area. Uh, one of the ladies there was taking a sh- bath. Uh, she ends up screaming. The two orcs come in. He bounces like off one of the orcs' faces. Because once again, he made the deck save. And at this point, it's like 10 deck saves he's made. DC 14 with plus 2. And I'm like, this is statistically almost impossible. Okay. Uh, one of the orcs end up smashing the other across the face. And they end up getting to the back door. And finally, off the 14th save, as he tries to exit the back door and open it to get out, they fi- he finally fails. I roll damage. It hits, so it despawns. And they're kind of like looking like, okay, what happened to this? large spider and they end up into the alleyway. Now while this was going on, uh, one of the players was invisible and was trying to get to the back room because they had scried the last time that there was a locked safe. Oh, so the uh, so essentially the spider was a really good distraction. It was a decoy because the half orcs were typically in kind of the uh, the back where the safe was in the office. Mm-hmm. So that was a way to lure them out. Now, while he went in and ended up retrieving like 251 gold pieces in total, <clears throat> and kind of doing like an Ocean's Eleven con, <laughs> escaping, the other part of the party, namely the Paladin, was outside the back, just in case they got let out the back, and they did. Um, so I had an Illusion Wizard, and I had this Dragonborn Paladin, Oathbreaker, or Oath Paladin mm-hmm. of Vigence, and <clears throat> the orcs are like, what happened? And they didn't see the paladin or the actual wizard. They were hiding off to the side. And I asked the player, like, uh, okay, what do you do? They're about to walk inside. The door's about to close. You got, like, ten seconds. What is your decision? <clears throat> and at the last second, he goes and, like, grabs them, kind of like Sam Fisher style from, like, Splinter Cell. And kind of, like, chokes them in the back alley. Uh, the orc kind of breaks free, grabs her, pushes him off, and says, What was that for? And he's like, did you see him? He's like, what are you talking about? Did you see the spider? Yeah, did you see the spider? He's like, and then this was perfect, because one of my players completely role-played this scenario and caught me off guard. Like, it actually broke me. He was like, I've been training up in the temples for months, no, years, since I was a small child, to find, um, it was like, Meganox. The demon spider, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> I've been searching this spider for years, and you found it. Where is it? It's important that I slay it, unless evil be unleashed upon the world or something like that. It's completely <laughs> off topic, and it kind of broke me. And I was like, "That is wholly creative." Here's, a, you know, here's inspiration. That was awesome. Did the dwarf buy it? Uh, he didn't buy it at first, but the illusion wizard cast phantasmal image. And he made it so that the actual image that the orc was seeing was an actual spider that he just smashed. Only it grew more grotesque and larger. And it became this giant behemoth spider that kept growing within the alley. Oh my goodness. At which point he made like a wisdom saving roll like a three. 
Uh, so at that point, the orc ends up like running out of the alleyway, screaming, ah, spider! And they end up kind of getting away with the cash and meeting up at the bar, like, on the next street. With a spider. Yep. With a spider. <laughs> with a spider. <laughs> with a spider and a crazy So thing. they managed awesome. to not only break in and steal all the cash, get a way to scout out the entire kind of brothel area, prevent one of the guards from going to the local authorities and having them arrested. Nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, how has been your DM experience so far since you've been doing it? How have you been... Now that uh, you're in it and you're playing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, now that I'm in it, um, you know, I've been deeming about three years out of the five. You know, it's a couple years off from work and stuff like that. Uh, it's been good. I've been deeming for over a year straight now. <clears throat> uh, originally, I had, as kind of a test, I ran up four different groups of about 18 people through Lost Minds of Fendelver. Oh, wow. From January to, I think, March of last year. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, not all at once, I hope. No, it was all at once. I was running a, I was, I was running a five sessions a week. So, it was it was very interesting and eye opening experience to see how different people can take the same kind of like sandbox ish to a style, and how they completely like, oh, we're gonna go to Cragmaw Castle right at level two, and you're like, what are you doing? And the rest of them actually go into Fandolin and what have you. Uh, but definitely an eye opening experience, a different way people play and strategize and stuff like that okay thank you so much for telling me your story and thanks for coming out and hanging out with us again yeah man love to hang out with you guys yeah, you know yeah. wish i could game with you guys more yeah <laughs> uh make sure we exchange some info okay yeah.